0: He looks like Duck Dynasty now, but for all of you Idahoians, you need to know he started out as a hippie, all right? He had a ponytail and hair down to here, all right? And by the way, they worked with us for 14 years. I taught Jackie to drink water, but he never listened to that, you know? He, uh, I think he still has monsters, right? Yep, okay. Yeah, okay, so that's where it is. It is a wonderful joy, and again, uh... This place holds so many memories for me. There's a, a flood of memories uh, right now in being in this place. For those of you that don't know, my wife, Lee was married to Brent Heather, who was a founding pastor of this church, and his fingerprints are everywhere in it. He personally uh, led the charge in, in remodeling this from the grocery store into this beautiful church of what it is today. Mary husband Brent ended up getting the exact same cancer that my wife got and my wife went home to be with the Lord about six months before Brent did but it was the exact same cancer sort of an amazing story we were all born the same year we were all married the same year our oldest kids are the same age our youngest kids are the same age and uh I had met uh, Brent and Merley, We were the very first CSN radio station, and that's how I ended up coming up here the first time. And they were in charge of entertaining me for the day. And they said, well, what would you like to do? And my last name is Hagerman. I said, well, if it's not too far, I'd like to go to Hagerman, Idaho. And a funny story about Hagerman, and and by the way, I know Kathy introduced me as a Californian, but you need to understand that is something. I'm a Gooding County taxpayer because we own property in Hagerman now. In fact, my, my tags have 2G on them, and they're red, white, and blue, you know. Because I want to tell you something, Idaho law enforcement love California cars. Let me tell you something, so... Anyway, uh, they took me around had taken pictures by the Hagerman Chamber of Commerce, the Hagerman Christian Center. That's a great name, you know. All these different places, we laughed and laughed and laughed. Never saw Merrily again. But Brent and I became friends. And every pastor's conference, uh, he was a big guy. You know, he's easy to spot. I'm a tall guy. So we always found each other every pastor's conference and became friends. And little did we know, realize that when that would take place, what God's plan would be. But I want to share a scripture with you. If you'd like to turn in the Bible with me, it's from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. And it says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now my friends, in our lives, there are going to be times where the outlook is bad. Sometimes it's, it's just a funny thing. It's a little thing. It's nothing really big. Is it this one that's causing the problem? No, but we may have to go over that. Okay. Shut my mouth All right. sometimes in our lives the outlook is is bad it may be a temporary outlook here a few uh, weeks ago I had flown to Kansas to see my in-laws, I'm still very close to uh, my first wife's parents, they were always a mom and dad to me and uh, he's not doing good so I, I flew there and I found a direct flight on Allegiant out of Las Vegas well we're about four hours, three and a half hours from Las Vegas so I I took this Allegiant flight. Well, I fly back into Las Vegas at midnight. I called Marilyn and I told her, hey, I'm back in Vegas. And she said, well, why don't you just get a room in Vegas tonight uh, rather than drive home? I said, you know, I'd rather come home. It's three and a half hours. I'll be home, sleep in my own bed. Besides I don't really like Vegas anyway. So anyway, I head off. Now, I got to tell you, prior to this trip, I brought brand new tires for my car. They'd never been anywhere but Las Vegas. So there is a stretch. We, we stay on the interstate for just a few miles, and then we cut through the desert where there is absolutely nothing for hundreds of miles. Okay, There's no one out there. There's no cities out there. There's no gas out there. There is no cell phone service. And I'm driving along. It's like 1.30 in the morning now. I have a blowout. Oh, my brand new tire, are you kidding me? And, you know, then I thought, I bet you I don't have a flashlight. So there I am, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, by Braille, changing this tire. And I put on those stupid little donut tires. Whoever invented those should go to jail, you know. So (laughs) what good are they, you know. So anyway, I put on this little donut tire because I think if I can go like 20 more miles, I can get to a place where a cell phone works, Well, about five miles later, the donut blew up. Are you kidding me? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm 200 miles from nowhere. My cell phone isn't going to work, and I have two flat tires. And so, you know, like every 30 minutes, a car would come back. So there's this old guy out in the middle of the road waving his arms, you know, Every single car goes by on the other side of the road. I'm talking to myself. I think, I wouldn't stop either. <laughs> it's California, you know. They, I ain't going to stop. So all night long this goes on. Finally, I just give up because like eight cars went by on the other side of the road. So I lay my seat down and I fall asleep till about 4.30 in the morning. I, I try again. And again, nobody is stopping. You know this story where the guy gets robbed in the Bible and people pass by on the... I've lived that story, all right? Anyway, finally about 5 o'clock in this morning, this hot Mustang stops by. It's a Marine. And it's interesting. The first thing he says to me, God told me to stop. So come to find out, this guy was a backslidden Christian. He, He... came from a wonderful Christian family. He had just spent the night with his girlfriend that was coming back to to work. So he wasn't exactly walking with the Lord. And there I am, a pastor put in his path. And it was funny because Merrily said, God just wanted you to talk to that Marine. That's why that happened to you. So anyway, we're talking along. I said, thank you so much for stopping. And he said, well, Really, I did feel like God told me to stop. Secondly, I'm a, a Marine. Thirdly, I have a loaded Glock 45 right beside me. So. <laughs> Moral of the story is, it took me 14 hours to get home wow. by the time it was all said and done. I called AAA. To go pick up my car? Oh, yeah. No, you have to be with your car. I said, I'm two hours away from my car. By the time I get to 29 Palms, had to go back. It was a hysterical event. So I tell that story in church. And, uh, you know, I, afterwards, I had like ten ladies. You know what the moral of that story is? You should have listened to your wife. <laughs> Really? That's what you got out of that story? I should have listened to my wife? Only a woman would say that, right? I want to tell you something. When the outlook's bad, look to the Lord. Sometimes in life, it's not just a funny story. It's not a temporary thing. In our lives, there are times where we face very difficult things that are going to be life-altering. You know, and for those of you that were here in those days, I know this is hard to believe, but Marilee and I are going to be married 10 years this year. Does that seem possible? And one of the things that's so wonderful about our life is we lived the same life. We went through exactly the same thing. For both of us sat in doctor's offices to hear the words our spouses had cancer that was incurable. I know for myself that the first place that I turned in the Scriptures was Psalm 27. I read this Scripture many times, and for those of you that ever go through hard times in your life or in a, in a hospital situation or facing difficult things, you should know Psalm 27. And Psalm 27 says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. And I love this part. One thing I've desired of the Lord, and that's what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in the pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me and set me high upon a rock. My friends, whenever the outlook is bad, just like Uzziah, We need to look, or just like Isaiah, we need to put our eyes on Jesus. The reality is that's how we all began, isn't it? What once we turned our heart to the Lord, whatever outlook there was in our life, that as we look to Him, all of a sudden everything changes. Isaiah says, "I saw the Lord." He was sitting on the throne. He was high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim. And each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is a Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory, and the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. My friends, Uzziah had reigned in the land of Israel for 52 years. The reality in Israel, they're surrounded by enemies, they still are today. You know, we in America, we, we have such a privilege. Our, our land has really only been attacked on Pearl Harbor. We never face ravaging armies coming through. Not so the land of Israel. And Uzziah was a good king. And with good kings, the land prospers. Their borders were expanded. All kinds of good things. And besides that, for the majority of people, they had never ever known any other king. You guys have met my... My daughter, Lydia, I think she's done a retreat for you, hasn't she? Well, anyway, when Lydia was 12 years old, it was election night. Bill Clinton was elected president. And Lydia, her entire life, had only known Ronald Reagan as president. And it was so funny because I'd go around and I'd tell each one of the kids goodnight, lay with them for a little bit and have a word of prayer. I go in Lydia's room and she's sobbing. And I said, Lydia, what on earth is the matter? And she goes, Bill Clinton was elected president. <laughs> I said, well, fortunately, Jesus is still on the throne. Hallelujah. And we've lived through many other things. But here's the deal. For Isaiah, he was facing a national crisis. My friends, we today are facing a national crisis. That's why we need a national day of prayer I saw something on the news the other day. There was, someone took a picture of a group of prom kids that were at dinner all holding hands and praying and put it on social media. And the outburst against them was absolutely amazing. How, how could a group of high school kids joining hands at a prom dinner be translated into something ugly and hateful and bigoted? We live in a fallen world, my friends. Unfortunately, California leads that fallen world. Someone asked me today if I was for the succeeding of California from the Union, I said, no, I'm for splitting up California into different states, and it's actually going to be on our ballot this year. I don't know how that works, but if it goes the way it go, I would live in a red state, so I'm happy about that. It would be called Southern California. But I said, what my plan was, what I think is the best, is you give California, Los Angeles, all the way up, to the, up the coast, we'll throw in the Silicon Valley, Sacramento, and back to San Francisco. That could be California. And then we'll build a wall around that. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> it is astonishing, but I want to tell you something. It's exactly the day that Isaiah lived in. Isaiah lived in the day where wrong was considered right. And what was right was considered wrong. And my friends, for us today, what is a cure? It's not just wringing our hands and giving up. It is to take the battle to the forefront. But we cannot do that when the outlook's bad without looking up. So this is a cure, whether it's you personally, whether it's your family, whether it's your community, or whether it is your nation. When the outlook is bad, focus your eyes on Jesus. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And my friends, I want to tell you from a firsthand testimony in my life, Facing some of the darkest days that I could ever dream or imagine. Jesus Christ never left. And During the hardest times of your life, it's there that he reveals himself the most to you. My wife had just gone home to be with the Lord. I was at the pastor's conference and Brent was there. And he knew that he only had a few months left to live. I knew how this journey was going to go. Apart from a miracle. And our God can do miracles. That could happen at any time. But I told Brent. I said if you needed help. I'd be there for you. Come that fall. Brent called me. And I came up here. Actually he hadn't told the church yet. That. Apart from a miracle of God, he was going home. And so I was here that Sunday to, to be a part of that. When I left, he asked me, he said, would you come back again? So about a month later, I came back. And by this time, he had grown more weak. And he asked me if I would take over for a time. And so through that, I'd fly up once a month. Jackie would fly up once a month. Our other assistant pastors would fly up once a month, and so we continued to fill the pulpit. One of the it was the last time that I was up here before his service. Britt's still trying to do everything. He loved you all so much. You know, he was the one that would stop by Albertsons and get the donuts and bring them over. So he's still doing this, even though, you know, he can't stand for more than a few minutes at a time. But he was very stubborn, if you knew Brent, and he still wanted to drive. Now, part of this sickness is that you just fall asleep. So we're here several hours early. You know, we're probably two and a half hours before church comes. And we're coming from Filer to to Buell here, Brent's driving and he falls asleep. I wake him up and I said, from now on I'm driving because you're going to go to heaven peacefully. Meanwhile, I'm going to be screaming in the passenger seat. (laughs) We get here way early. And as per this illness, Brent goes into his office And passes out. It's all very painful. Because he's starting to change colors just like my wife did. And I'm sitting in this office right here. Nobody's here. It's hours before the service. And out loud I say to the Lord, what am I doing here? And the Lord said, I've called you. I was here for Brent's service. Amazing thing happened at that service, again, right this very place. BJ got up to share. And as I looked at BJ, the Lord spoke to my heart that I was to raise him up to be a pastor and that he'd have a double anointing of his father. And he does, and he is fantastic. And right this second, he is preaching in Yucca Valley, California. He's my right-hand man down there. Isn't God good? But here's the point. For whatever we have to face in life, the answer is always the same. Look to Jesus. Open your heart to Him. Lift your eyes to Him. Worship Him. And as you do that, My friends, it is so absolutely fantastic. Because through whatever we have to go through, and sometimes we'll go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You're with me. And by the way, Maryly wanted me to greet everyone. She loves all of you so much. She's actually doing the retreat for good in Calvary Chapel uh, up in Chalice. So she'll be uh, returning home today here. I saw the Lord. That's amazing because in the scriptures we have this exact account again. We have it in the book of Revelation where John sees the Lord and the Lord gives to him the key to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 4, we see again the very throne of God. And my friends, i got great news for us all. We're going to see Jesus face to face and worship Him forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. So here's the thing. No matter how hard it gets here, no matter what we have to face here, we're on the winning side. We're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be worshiping Him forever, singing just in the same thing as the book of Revelation. We see Daniel, see uh, the Lord in the book of Daniel, and they say, holy, holy, holy. Again, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We serve one God. For me, the easiest way to understand that is our earthly son. What makes our son the son is the energy. In fact, our planet couldn't be any closer or any farther away. We, we would not be able to have life at all because of the energy. You couldn't survive. No man can see God and live. And yet, my friends, we see the light, and the light's like Jesus Christ. He is the visible expression of God. So He is God. We know exactly God through Jesus Christ. But the reality is, when I go outside, not so much today, but yesterday, you can feel the heat, right? It's like the Holy Spirit. But do we have three suns going around No, it's one son that's just relating to us in a different way. And so, holy, holy, holy. And then we see the Shekinah glory. We see absolutely what the scriptures lay out over and over again. Our God is a consuming fire. Now, my friends, after we look at the Lord, when our outlook is bad, we do just like Isaiah. We look at ourselves. And as you look in Isaiah, in chapter 6, he says in verse 5, Then I said to me, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, Having in his hand a coal which he had taken from the tongs, from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it. Behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. You know what happened when John saw the Lord in Revelation chapter 1? He fell down as dead. You know what happened to Daniel when he saw the Lord? He fell down as dead. It's interesting In Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah was pointing his finger. Woe to you, and woe to you, and woe to you, and woe to you, and woe to you. you." When he saw the Lord, it all changed. Do you know what he said? Woe is me. The reality is this, my friends. In order for us to move on with the Lord, we have to always come before Him and we have to look at ourselves. My friends, when David sinned, he hid his sin. For, for a year, he hid him sin, his sin until the prophet Nathan comes to David and he waltzes in. He said, David, there's a man in your kingdom. He had one little ewe lamb. He loved this lamb. It was like a part of his family. And this ewe lamb, there was a rich guy who had some friends come. They take that ewe lamb that belonged to that guy, his only ewe lamb, and slaughtered it and had a barbecue with it. And David leaps to his feet. He's Filled with indignation. That man deserves to die. And my friends, the entire time, David had stolen a man's wife and murdered him. Do you realize, my friends, we can go through our life, and you need to understand this. It's very easy to become self-righteous in our own eyes and start thinking that we are pretty good. I, I'm better than that person. I, I'm better than that person and that person and that person. And I want to tell you, you're in grave danger at that time. Because self-righteousness and pride is a great destroyer. And the cure for that is seeing Jesus. Let's face it. It's a lot more fun to see the faults in other people than ourselves, right? And we can go through our entire lives. And you know what's absolutely crazy? The things that we can be so upset about other people. That's what we're guilty of. So we bring it back to this. Spend time looking at the Lord. We have a saying in our church, read your Bible and pray every day because God speaks to you through that quiet time. He speaks to you through His Word. And as you spend time with Him and as you simply read through the Bible, you know what you're going to find? It's going to step on your toes because the Word of God goes to the very thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And again, my friends, All sin begins there in the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So how do we deal with it? Well, we look within. And what did Isaiah do? Woe is me, for I am undone. I love when Jesus was preaching on the Sea of Galilee. I loved it. Sea of Galilee is one of my favorite places in the whole world, and especially when I go to Israel because Jesus spent so much time. If you remember, there was a time where the crowds were starting to get pretty great. There was a guy by the name of Peter at a boat there, and the Lord said to Peter, "Hey, I want to get in your boat." And so he rowed out a little bit, made it like a natural amphitheater that the water would use as a soundboard. Much of the time, Sea of Galilee is absolutely perfectly calm. The people were all there on the beach. And, and Jesus is sharing the word. When well, he's all said and done, Peter falls down in the boat. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And do you remember what Jesus says? Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. i got great news for everyone in this sanctuary today. God uses saved sinners. Hallelujah. That's all He's got. He uses us. But here's the wonderful thing. We can't hide anything from the Lord anyway. So we might as well open our heart to Him and be open to Him and say, Lord, I want you to cleanse my life. I want to get rid of the bad attitudes before they become bad actions. Because, my friends, if this doesn't happen in your life, your heart can grow harder and harder. You can spend your life blaming everybody else and making excuses for your own bad behavior. If a person's an alcoholic, do they acknowledge that? No, I drink because you make me drink. No, you drink because you're a drunk. you got to get your heart right. You can't spend your life blaming everyone else for your bad behavior. And when we realize and we look at the Lord and we study His Word, it changes us inside of us. Now, my friends, in 1 John chapter 1, the scripture says this, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the book of Isaiah, we actually we sang this song this morning, and by the way... I'm so proud of Tyler. We got to have Tyler down at our Bible college. He and Jacob, did they ever tell you about the time where they threw each other through a plate glass window? So, yeah, you could ask him about that. I think they're still paying that off. I'm not sure. But I tell you, such a joy. Seeing what God's done, not not only in his life, but in Jacob's life, who's over at Gooding as well. And in the book of Isaiah, it says this. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Listen. Listen. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What ended up happening? An angel takes a a coal and touches the lips of Isaiah. Is there a bigger part of our body that causes more problems than our mouth? You know, it's kind of interesting the way God made us. He made us two ears that can't be shut and one mouth that can. You would think we'd have an advantage there. But, you know, how many times? The book of James in chapter 3 devotes a whole chapter to the problem of the tongue. I, I have a saying, I have never regretted what I didn't say. Don't give someone a piece of your mind. You can't afford to give any of it away, all right? I try very hard not to give people advice unless they want advice. I almost begin every counseling session with that. You know, if you want to do what the Lord wants to do, I'll, I'll be with you. But, you know, if you don't, let's save ourselves some time. Because the reality is this. It is our mouth that gets us in trouble so often. It cauterized it. He he stopped his sin. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. Uh, The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, Our sins and our lawless deeds, he will remember what? No more. Our sins and our lawless deeds. What? He will remember no more. Though our sins are as scarlet. He'll make us white as snow. And so my friends. Before I finish my sermon. And by the way. I am going to finish quicker than Jackie does. (laughs) But it's not over yet. (laughs) So don't be zipping up your Bibles yet. But before we go on. I want to make sure everyone here' heart is right with the Lord. And here's the great news. It doesn't matter where you've been. And it doesn't matter what you've done. The Lord has paid the price on the cross that we might freely receive the forgiveness of our sins. And to say that we have no sin, hey, we're a liar and the truth isn't in us. And so this is that opportunity For every single one of us to receive His amazing grace and mercy. So would you join with me in prayer? I'll pray and I'd like you to join with me. Lord Jesus, I do believe that You are the Christ. I do believe that You died upon the cross paying the price. For my sin. And I confess my sin before you. Lord, I acknowledge it. I need you. Open my eyes. Because I want to see you. And I want to walk in your ways. So I invite you into my heart. To be my Savior. And to be my Lord. Because I want to follow you. And I want to listen in Jesus' name. Amen. As soon as Isaiah is forgiven, listen to what the Lord says. And I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. My friends, i got to tell you, the place where I am in my life, I'm having the time of my life. We, a few years ago, were given this incredible building, a 26,000 square foot building that was originally a rest home. And uh, so we are now the Calvary Chapel Association, Calvary Bible Institute. And we're finishing our inaugural year. We've had a Bible college for 25 years. But this is an entirely different thing. We're getting Calvary pastors from all over the country to share. And it's so exciting. We have a tremendous group of young people who are going to go out. And we get to be a part of raising up the next generation of Calvary Chapel pastors and leaders. So it's so exciting. And and with that, I knew I couldn't keep up my regular schedule. So BJ... He does Wednesday nights for me. I had just finished the book of Malachi. It takes me about nine years at Joshua Springs. I predominantly do the Old Testament on Wednesday nights, predominantly the New Testament on Sunday mornings. a little change every once in a while, but predominantly... It takes me nine years on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings to go through. So I've been in, in Yucca Valley 27 years. I finished my third going through the entire Bible in uh, that time. So I got to Malachi. we were getting ready to open up CBI, Calvary Bible Institute. And I looked at BJ and I said, I can't continue to carry all the load that I'm doing. And so I want you to start. So BJ started. I said, you're going to start in the book of Genesis. I'll see you when you get to Malachi, and we'll start all over again. But here's the wonderful thing. With that, I've been able to focus more time in the Bible Institute and raise up the next generation. And I, it's so exciting to see. Because God's given a great commission. A great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations teaching them all things that I have commanded you. And the Lord gives us a promise. And lo, I'm going to be with you to the very end of the age. How exciting is it that there's another generation? And even being here and having Tyler here, it's like so exciting. Jackie and Kathy, you know, it, it was so funny because Jackie is very intelligent I don't know whether you've come to realize that or not, but the the very first time I heard him teach, or not teach, we, he was in Bible college. He did a paper. I was totally blown away. And it's so exciting. And, you know, and who can't love Kathy? I mean, she's just full of life, isn't she? It's such a great joy. But to see after 15 years, and I'll never forget the moment... That Jackie said, I want to go to Buell. And it was like, of course. And I want to tell you, for Marilyn and I, because we always stop by. You know, whether, and, it, and it's so wonderful now. We stopped by this week. You know what's happening here? It's full of life little kids running all over and people is just full of life. And I've always told Merrily how sad would it have been for the church to die when Brent died, but how wonderful it is to see not only it survive, but it's thriving and growing and a blessing. Give yourselves a hand because God's good. It's- And it makes Marilyn and I very, very happy every time we come by. We were showing it to some friends of ours who had come up from California. But I want to tell you, the Lord has a calling. Now, I'm not originally from California. I'm actually a farm boy from Kansas. So all you farmers have to like me. I'm a wheat farmer, grew up on a farm in Kansas. But I want to tell you something that you will all understand very much. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Jesus, with his disciples, he said, I want you to lift up your eyes for the fields. They're white and they're ready for harvest. And there's so many, if you're part of our church family, you get tired of my farm stories, okay? They got them numbered, you know. This is number 33, you know, the fields are white farm story. But for every farm family that's here today, you understand something. It isn't just the one running the combine. When the crops are being harvested, the entire process takes absolutely everyone Whether you're a little kid and have chores to do. Whether you're the wife that's cooking the meals and delivering them to the farm. Whether you're the person driving the truck or whether you're the person driving the combine. Everybody has to work together. And this is what we as a church have to understand. When God says, I have called you. He's talking about He's called all of us. And every single one of us, all of us, have to be willing to stand up and say, Here am I, send me. But you need to understand, that doesn't mean everyone's going to go somewhere. There's going to be a great majority of people who are going to be there holding the home front and building it up to be able to send other people to be able to go who are in a place to go. Just like on a farm family, it isn't just one person that gets a credit for harvesting the grain. It's everybody and it's all year long. It's taken a long time to ever get to that point. I would tell people, because there's so many lessons for the ministry that you can learn from a farmer. For us, we had Uh, hard red winter wheat so that meant we actually started working the ground in April we worked it all summer long we planted it in September and then we wouldn't harvest till the following June that's over a year away so there's a lot of waiting there's a lot of preparation there's a whole bunch of it that ever goes in before we get to share in that harvest together so when the Lord is calling and he today is calling every single one Because I don't care whether you're young or old. I don't care whether you're a man or a woman. I don't care whether you're a child. God has a place for you in His kingdom. And you need to be a part of His farm family to answer the call of the ministry, Here am I, send me. It's so powerful. And every single one of us need to see that. I remember as a little kid, my birthday was June 29th which in Kansas was always smack dab in the middle of harvest. So I had two birthdays that wasn't in harvest. And uh, beside that, I was always in the harvest field. When I got married, I said, I'm never having a kid with a June birthday. It doesn't matter if you're not a farmer. All right. But the reality is this. He has that place. So here is Isaiah. Here am I. Send me. And as you... Sit here today, I want you to think about something. Do you realize the king of the universe is asking for volunteers? The king of the universe, whom shall go? Whom shall I send? And my friends, there are always opportunities. I would imagine your vacation Bible school is coming up sometime in the future. What happens when there's Vacation Bible School? How many people does it take to run Vacation Bible School? Lots. And so what are they going to do? They're going to ask for volunteers. And my friends, I want to tell you something. If you want a ministry that you'll see more people brought to the Lord than any other ministry, it's going to be children's ministry. Statistics prove it out. More kids give their their hearts to the Lord. And I'm sure Buell is the same way in our church. In our church, we get heathens dropping off their kids for vacation Bible school because it's free daycare for them, you know, they get their kids away. And here's what happens every single year, kids ask the Lord into their heart for that. So when there is a call, and the Lord is calling every single one of us, who who's gonna go? Who's going to answer that call? I hope that our hearts become, here am I. That Maybe you don't want to be with the kids, but you can bring cookies. Maybe you want to paint a set. There's all kinds of ways that you can work. And, and I want you to understand, in every single thing that the church does, right? It requires people to be a part of it. So, I am hoping that today, just like Isaiah, as we focus our our look at Him, when we look at Him, then we look at ourselves. We get our hearts right with Him, but then He wants us to have an outlook. You see, my friends, unfortunately, some people, I'm saved, the rest of the world can go to hell. I don't need to be a part. And the reality is this. Here's the wonderful thing. For a farm family at harvest time, who gets the benefit? Is it just the guy that was running the combine? Does he just, is he the only one that gets the benefit? No, the little kid that needs tissues gets the benefit too. The wife gets the benefit. She gets to go shopping. They, maybe you get a new car. Whatever it is, but here's the reality. We all share in the reward of it. And it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. Funny story. There was a guy in my life that was hitting me over the head with the Bible. All right. He was trying to get me saved. The problem was, I didn't think I needed saved. He needs saved because he was a drug addict. I, on the other hand, was taking over a multi-million dollar farm, doing very good, you know, everything was right in my life. And I still remember sitting on a lake, and as far as you could see was land that we owned. We had 2,000 acres, and we had oil and gas. That helps you be a better farmer, by the way. But anyway, I ran, I spanned my hand across the horizon. I said, look at what all I have. What do I need the Lord for? I've reached my goal in life. Was those words that haunted me because as I'd spend days on the tractor by myself, if I've reached my goal in life, why aren't I happy? And I had a wonderful advantage. My dad had all the money that he could want. Was an alcoholic. Totally unhappy. I realized something. More money isn't going to make you happy. I did know that for a fact. And so this guy kept trying to get me saved. I kept... I wasn't interested at all. Finally, this little shy cousin of mine, well, she wasn't little. She was like six foot five. She was tall, tall and thin. She was from Colorado. And three cousins, we had had a family reunion, spent the day together. And as two of them drove off, they had a bumper sticker that said, give Jesus a chance. I said, what are they, Jesus freaks or something? And she said, no, they're a Christian. I'm a Christian too. And so for the next four hours, I just started asking questions. And finally, at 11 o'clock at night, uh, she looked at me and she said, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? And I said, yes. And from that moment, my life changed. I remember the very first words that I said after I, I said that. I looked up and I said, I see I see. I knew my life would never be the same. Now, I lost track of this cousin till about six years ago. And I was in Colorado. My mother was going home to be with the Lord. And so I did some telephone work, Googling, and I finally found her number. I said, Linda, are you still a Christian? And she said, Yes. And uh, she said, I have to tell you something, Gerald you're the only person in my life that I've ever shared Jesus with. And then she said, but do I get credit for all the people that you've shared with? (laughs) 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 And you know what the answer to that is? Yes. You see, my friends, the Lord has a calling. is calling on every single one of us. The church is not man's invention. It was God who called the church. And the Lord gives us a warning for uh, us in these last days. Of the book of Hebrews, he says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of such. And even more so, as you see the day approaching, You see, my friends, coming to church isn't just about what we're going to get out of it. There is a world out there that is lost. And all of us have to realize something. The Lord here today, He has a calling on every single person. The King of the universe is asking for volunteers. Whom shall I send? And whom will go for me? And you know what? There's going to be some out of this fellowship that are going to be raised up to go. And for those that are called to be here, you know what your job is? To enable them to go. So, there was a very sweet young girl up here today. Right? So I'm pretty sure... All of you can give her five bucks for a car wash, whether you get your car washed or not. And she can go, and whatever ministry and work that's done down there in Costa Rica, guess what happens? This church gets the glory for it. You know, you're all a part of Africa, and I know Marilee uh, very much appreciates uh, all the work that you guys do for Malawi, and I know Jackie and Kathy uh, got to be a part of seeing it. I got to tell you, I've been, in, I've been in ministry 40 years. I've never seen anything better than this. Because for one thing, 100% of your money goes there. No American takes any money out of it. We don't pay any American over there. It's all Malawian run. So every dollar ends up going to what it's done. Zero administrative costs. Okay, we, we've got Jerry here and his wife Tracy. Jerry works very hard over here at Quality Trust and Lumber to pay for her to go. And she works hard too at the hospital to pay her own way to go all these times. They've never taken Malawi money to, to go over to Israel. And so here's the amazing thing. As you see these kids, and this year when we were over there just a month ago, we got to baptize people. And it was so awesome because our youngest kids are now ninth graders. And we're raising them up year after year. And there are like 150 kids that come to school. There's 20-some that live there. We have 40 Malawian employees there. It's 100. And we're raising them to be independent. We're growing. You'll, you guys will like this because you'll understand this. We're growing probably close to 100 acres of corn. It's all planted by hand, all right? And we raise enough corn that we're able to feed our own kids all year long. We're raising tilapia. We're raising goat. They're raising pigs now. I was so impressed. They have a farrowing house over there. As good as any farrowing house here in America. It's absolutely phenomenal. And for Christmas last year, they had a, a pig dinner, a pig roast for Christmas. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you something. For every life that changed. You may never go. But I want to tell you. Every time that you give. You're going to get a reward in heaven. Because for every soul. And I, I want to tell you one quick story. Malawi has more orphans than any place in the world. And it's because of AIDS. And because of promiscuity. So. The husband cheats, brings home aid to his wife. They both die, so you have these little kids. Here, some time ago, a little tiny girl. What was she, two? One sitting at that door. Tiny, tiny girl all by herself. She had absolutely no one. Sitting there starving to death. We saw her now. It's a year later. She's bright and happy and running and has a, 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 our house mother, who is a wonderful mother to her. The last thing that happened, and I actually had the opportunity to baptize this person. Tracy saw these kids, and they were just running around amok. You know, and not in school. Well, come to find out that their mom and dad abandoned them. There were five kids. The oldest daughter the oldest sister, began prostituting herself so she could feed her younger siblings. As a result of that, she'd had two kids herself and was living in this squalor and Tracy and Patrick, our guy that runs it over there, they went in, they cleaned up her house, they gave her a job. All of her kids are in school And when we have baptisms, she came forward. And she is a transformed person. We actually employ her. (laughs) But again, does just the guy running the combine get the credit? No, it's everyone that is a part. Now i got to tell you, is everyone going to come to Jesus? Isaiah is told as we go on here, And I heard the voice of the Lord, whom shall I send and whom will go for me? And then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears. You know, what's amazing is this is repeated for us 12 times in the New Testament. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many there are that are going to find it. In John chapter 12 where this is repeated. Jesus did many works among them. And yet they still didn't believe. My friends. We have been given the opportunity to share a great message. Is everyone going to respond? No, the answer is no. But there are going to be those that respond. Narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. And look at this room. This room is filled with people who have taken that narrow road and said, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. And so the Lord is here today. He's asking for volunteers. Whom shall I send? Who will go? And it's my desire that every single one of us, especially with a portion of you anyway, being good farm families, the very lifeblood of America, would fully understand something. It takes us all. It takes a whole family to make a farm work. And it takes a whole family of believers to do what God has asked us to do And for this church. And look how this church is changing. Buell, Idaho. It's absolutely phenomenal. To have a a church this size. In a community. That has the heritage that this community has. To have this many people. Who are saying I'm going to follow Jesus. So here's my opportunity to you. We're going to have one last closing prayer. And I don't want you to pray it if you're not willing. And if you really don't mean it. Because words mean nothing if it's not backed up with a heart. But is my hope today that every single person here today will realize something. I'm called. And I'm going to answer, here am I. For every single one of us, we have time, okay? We've all been given the same commodity of time, 24 hours in our day. We all have talents. We don't all have the same talents. We have different talents. But God can use every talent that you have. Because I, I'm, I, I'm sure that you have people here that do this. It was an idea that was given to our church family and it's so awesome, We have women who knit baby blankets and they pray over them. And every baby dedication that we have, we give a handmade crochet baby blanket to them that says, we prayed for your baby even before it was born. How awesome is that? And so there are all kinds of ministry opportunities, whatever your talents may be, to be able to share with. We we also, in that same ministry... If an older person is in the hospital, they knit them a shawl. And they say, you know, it's a a shawl of prayer around you just to remind you that you're loved by your church family. But the point is this. Every single one of us have something. We've all been given talents. The last part that we've all been given is treasure. And the Lord said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So the Lord's not first in your life in that. Then, my friends, it's sort of indicative of a heart problem that needs to be. And here's the reality. For everything that you give to the Lord, whatever ministry that is, and whatever salvation ends up happening and change lives, guess what? You have treasure in heaven. That's the promise of our Lord. So would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know that you're a calling. I know that you've given the Great Commission. And I want to be a part of it. I want to lift my eyes and see the fields, that they're white and ready for harvest. So take my life Use it as you desire. But I want you to know something. I want to say, Here am I <clears throat> in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Well, let's all stand.